the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on, on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. Well, boys, they let us get to Friday again. It is Panhandle Sports Live for this 15th day of December 2023, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. I'm Luke Wiggs. Parker Stone still a little bit under the weather today, so he will not be in studio, but Daniel Woods is. Daniel, we made it through another week. You're still standing. How are we feeling? Pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> That's good to hear. Well, Daniel and I had the pleasure of driving out to Deep Creek yesterday to Garrett College and calling some pretty high-profile basketball. Some fun games to be had uh, on the Nike EYBL Scholastic Circuit uh, of the games that we got to call Brewster Academy against Bishop O'Connell. Those are two teams that were ranked in the high school basketball top 25. Brewster won that game. Veritas Academy out of California beat Legacy Early College. Uh, and then we saw a very impressive number 11-ranked La Lumiere team beat Canyon International. Um, you're able to watch those games. If you're interested in catching up with some prep basketball uh, at League Ready Television on YouTube, I will say this. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I will. There were members of a certain college uh, that is relatively in Morgantown, West Virginia. A, a big a Big 12 member institution that is within driving distance of Deep Creek Lake. Was Th in attendance. There's not a lot of those if you know what we're talking about. That was there to scout some of these players. And Daniel, I'll tell you, if you want to run through some of the players that really impressed you before we move on... Um, they weren't there, that, that certain uh, Big 12 institution that was within driving distance for every game. But of the games that they saw, there there's, were, a, there's a lot of players. And uh, this, this, this particular Big 12 team, uh, I know that there's gold in their uniform. That has something to do with it. Yep. There's a lot yep. of guys, and maybe it's some blue every once in a while. Uh, there's some may have guys, been to court recently. They have been to court recently. We'll talk about uh, maybe talk about something related to that here later on in the show. Um, they have... They watched a couple of players play yesterday that I think could There's really some help dudes, them. In man. A good way. There are some dudes. Uh, the guy that stood out uh, just from the jump uh, to start the game was Bryson Tucker uh, from Bishop O'Connell in that first game. Five star prospect, number 20 player in the nation, according to ESPN. You see exactly why. Three level scorer at six foot seven, uh, finalist for the Naismith National High School Basketball Player of the Year 
just, I mean, bang, bang, bang. This dude checks all the boxes for what you want in a high-level college basketball player that can score the ball. And then as the day goes on, Veritas had a younger team, a lot of a junior and sophomore heavy team, and some impressive guys international uh, from players. that group. A lot of international players. Um, some guys that maybe you're not looking at as a power conference recruit today, but maybe a year from now, these are guys that get on the radar today and a year from now are raking in those offers. And then, oh my goodness, you get to the last game of the day and you have La Lumiere and just the level of talent on that team. I mean, Jerry Easter was the second leading scorer at the biggest travel basketball tournament in the country this summer, and he scored eight points in that game just because he didn't have to do more than that. Uh, Darius Adams holds offers from Kansas, Indiana, Rutgers, just, I mean, name it, outside of Duke, UNC, and Kentucky, and he ran the point for that Lalomir team. was so impressive, but the guy that may have raised his stock the most on the day was Steve Solano, the seven-footer uh, from La Lumiere, who's a senior, originally from the Bronx. He's uncommitted, folks. <laughs> he is uncommitted. He does not hold a West Virginia offer, but he is uncommitted. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, put up 22 points in that last game of the day and just showed a, a lot of touch around the basket. Seven-foot, 260, takes up a ton of space. Uh, and looked like a guy that has a pretty bright future at the college level. And going back to that first game, uh, I would be uh, doing everyone a disservice if I didn't also mention Noyes Indrasetis, the uh, the Iowa State commit from Brewster Academy. He, he's going to uh, be a problem against a particular drivable Big 12 team. He's, he's going to be a, a tough customer for the next four years at Iowa State. <laughs> well, there's more basketball games that you – if you want to get your uh, prep basketball fixed today, Daniel's going back – uh, to Deep Creek in a cool facility there at Garrett College. Uh, Brewster, House that Dennis Gibson built. There you go. Brewster's taking on Orangeville Academy. Uh, that's going to come up at 4 o'clock, and then La Lumiere is going to play Legacy Early College. Uh, that's going to be at 6. You can find those on League Ready TV. And then, coincidentally, that runs up right against the high school basketball that we're going to be broadcasting tonight here on WEPM and WCST. I'm staying in town. We're calling the Musselman Parkersburg South game. We talked about this a lot. The Parkersburg South team that's lost some key pieces from – teams that have gone to back-to-back -back state championship games, uh, two-time state runner-up over the last couple of years. Um, Mike Fallon, one of the better coaches in the state. It's an opportunity for Musselman to test their mettle because they did a similar thing against Bridgeport, another team that is a perennial uh, uh, team that goes down to Charleston and plays at the state tournament, and Musselman struggled a little bit. You have an opportunity to address some of those mistakes um, and try to hang it on a very good Parkersburg South team and, and really put the state on notice. Then Parkersburg South stays here over the weekend, takes on Spring Mills on Saturday. Daniel has the call, and I want to make an uh, amendment to that. On our original schedule, that game was supposed to start at 7 o'clock. It has been moved to 4. So Saturday's game that Daniel's calling Parkersburg South against Spring Mills uh, will be at four. So different perspectives for both of these games. I think it's a Musselman team that has a lot to prove that they think they can be a team that can go to Charleston. And it's a Spring Mills team that's trying to prove that they're one of the best teams in the state. Both have the opportunity to do that against Parkersburg South. It's a statement kind of weekend for these EPAC teams. And it's hard to look at what Spring Mills did earlier this week against Millbrook and not call that a statement just by the level of dominance that they had in that game. But this is an opportunity for both of these teams to prove that there is going to be 
multiple teams coming out of the EPAC this year that can compete for a state championship. The expectation is there with Jefferson. There's a lot of people around the state that are interested in what Spring Mills has back this year, and they have a chance to put their stamp on it early in the season against one of the continually successful programs in the state of West Virginia. Now on the other side, for Musselman, this is a chance to get back on track. This is a chance to say, we had these expectations for ourselves. We haven't lived up to them yet, but we are prepared to prove that we are capable. And again, Parkersburg South lost a lot from that team last year, but this is still a program that reloads every year. This is not a program that ever rebuilds. The tradition, the development that you get in that Parkersburg South program means that the Patriots don't ever rebuild. It's just a cycle of talent coming in every four years. So the expectation is that Parkersburg South will be one of the best teams in the state and will be competing for a state championship. And it basically goes that if you go out and you can beat Parkersburg South, then you vault yourself into that conversation. And Musselman and Spring Mills both have the opportunity to do that this weekend. And this is an unknown commodity for Parkersburg South because they haven't played much to start the season, just a couple of exhibitions. Um, so you're going to get to see... And I'm sure the state's going to be interested to watch tonight this game against Musselman, really to see what Mike Fallon has coming back, to see what pieces, you know, Plotner's gone. He's going to have to replace some key pieces from last year's team. Uh, so I'm sure people will be v viewing this game tonight uh, with varying perspectives. And again, you can find it right here on WBPM and WCST beginning at 7.30 this evening. We encourage you to text us, 304-263-4321. Weigh in on your thoughts on this upcoming high school basketball season. I say upcoming, it's already underway. Um, and when we return from this break, we're going to get to our first break a little early. We're going to give you an update from the Raekwon battle situation and some news that I'm sure people aren't necessarily going to want to hear. We'd love to hear your opinions on that as well. But stay tuned. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, hanging out with you. Parker Stone, we wish him a speedy recovery. Got himself a little bit of a virus. We hope you're all right, Park. He did send in his picks. We'll check those here in just a couple of moments. And we'll uh, check yesterday's picks as well. I know he had a couple of Raider-specific bets, and it was a pretty good game to be betting on the Raiders, I'll tell you that. And as a Raider fan, I was excited uh, to watch us dismantle the Chargers and potentially dismantle the, the reign of terror um, that was the Staley administration. We'll talk about that a little bit more in our next segment. But Daniel Woods, an update from the NCAA regarding this temporary restraining order as it pertained uh, to Raekwon Battle and the over 170 student-athletes that this affected. So I'll set the scene from where we were yesterday. That temporary restraining order was filed, which means that these teams were eligible to play these players over the next couple of games for a 14-day window. And then the restraining order, the appeal, the whole process was going to be re-examined before an official ruling was made. The question then became, if these players are able to play in these next couple of games and the restraining order and the waiver and the whole process was overturned and then they're ineligible for the rest of the season, would these couple of games that they play count against their eligibility? We were not sure, Daniel Woods, until yesterday. Yeah, the NCAA puts out a statement that pretty much just shuts down any idea you would think of – WVU using Raekwon Battle and Noah Farcon on the court in the next 14 days. 
this is a, a statement coming down from the NCAA, uh, a series of questions uh, that were offered up to the NCAA uh, to be answered yesterday coming out of the temporary restraining order hearing by Judge Bailey out of the Northern District of West Virginia. And I believe as I'm looking at it here, it is question number four uh, that is answered by the NCAA here. Does the season of competition legislation apply if a student athlete competes during the 14-day TRO? The Yes, the 14-day TRO only enjoined by law 14551 and does not change the season of competition legislation. So which in plain terms means that if you play in a game during this 14-day period, it counts as a season of eligibility just as if had you played in the first two games of a season and then not gotten onto the floor the rest of the year, that would count as a season of eligibility, provided that that was not due to an injury, essentially. So it's extremely frustrating. And whether it is not, whether it is intentional or not, it feels like retribution from the NCAA of you caught us with our pants down. Now we're going to punch back at you and just make sure we get our way no matter what happens. Right. And here's the issue with that as well. This decision by the NCAA, this statement to say that, all right, if you play guys in this game and the decision gets overturned, we're going to punish them by counting it as a year of eligibility. This decision was handed out yesterday about, what, say what, 4 o'clock? Something like that. There were games that were played the night before that players were granted eligibility because of this temporary restraining order that played. Kalen Boone, who is a transfer from Oklahoma State to UNLV, that was his third school, played in a game where UNLV won and he scored 10 points. Yeah, There were schools that rolled the dice and was not sure that the NCAA was going to make this decision because the NCAA did not make this statement within an hour of the temporary no. restraining order because why would they? Because they continue to have a reputation of doing the worst possible thing. Oh, and by the way, might I, might I point out that the top line of this statement from the NCAA says, December 13th, 2023, temporary restraining order application issues. And then in little italics under that, it says, issued on December 14th, 2023. Exactly. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. So short answer to the question, the million-dollar question that everybody's going to be asking is, you know, when WVU takes the floor against UMass, uh, is Noah Farrakhan and Raekwon Battle going to play? Yesterday, I would have said that I was 60-40 they played. Today, I find it to be very unlikely that they're going to play. The only reason they would is if Rocky Giannola and Council think they have a slam dunk case against the NCAA and this decision is going to be withheld. But I do not see WVU taking that chance for these next three games. Well, we all know what the outcome of this is going to be. And Rocky Giannola said as much on Sportsline the other night if this was to be the decision of the NCAA. There's going to be another lawsuit because of this. Yep. It may not come from WVU because it seems likely that Raekwon Battle and Noah Farrakhan are not going to play on Saturday. But for those teams that did allow athletes to play on Wednesday night for the Caleb Boons of the world, there's going to be another lawsuit. And again, I, I didn't say this outright on the show yesterday because 
I wasn't ready to get to this point, but this is this has sold it for me. In in my eyes, there are two clear outcomes for what this leads to because we have we have started down a path at which we are precariously reaching the point of no return on. There are there's going to be two two outcomes here within the next handful of years. Either one, you are going to set a base salary and a contract for college athletes, which would not be that much of a step from where we are right now. These guys are already getting housing and meal stipends. If you just if you simply take the stipends these guys are already making and make it equivalent to the minimum wage and put them on a year-to-year contract, then I, I think this solves everything. I think this solves all that we're talking about. But again, the NCAA, in the name of amateurism, and I'm doing finger quotes here in the studio, in the name of amateurism, has refused to define these athletes as employees for 100 plus years. And we are past the point of no return with that. That is outcome number one. Outcome number two is the NCAA ceases to exist and the schools start governing themselves. Well, let's talk about that for just a quick second because I don't want to belabor the issue. What would that look like? Because we've talked in the past about, you know, if the elite of college sports were to break away from the NCAA, you know, and a small version of that already kind of exists with the college football playoff. But let's these things don't have to be these things are mutually exclusive. The NCAA does a lot of great things for Division Two and Division Three athletics. They make it possible for Shepard to be able to get on a plane and fly to Colorado to play in the semifinal. People ask often, well, March Madness generates a billion dollars. Where does that money go? And people like to say, well, the NCAA lines their pockets with it. And that may be partially true. But that money gets put into the NCAA so that we can have Division Three lacrosse and we can have Division Two football played at a high level. If what you're saying happens, and I'm not saying it will, and you're not saying it will either. It is just a possibility. The NCAA, as we know it, would be rocked to its core if every legitimately revenue-generating franchise, Alabama, Duke, North Carolina, UNLV, UNLV. I didn't mean to put them in a list. I meant to say UCLA. <laughs> money, gener- money powerhouse, UNLV. Um, leave, the NCAA begins to crumble in a way that it's not no longer able to help Division two, Division three schools to the level that it is. So that's kind of what's at stake for everybody removed from this high-level discussion that Power Five programs are having with the NCAA. So it puts everybody in a precarious spot. And the I said that yesterday as well. And this is the the final point I want to make because we have some Shepherd stuff I want to get to here in just a second. You know, I I mentioned yesterday that one of the outcomes from this might be that we've blown open the transfer portal again, and now it's going to be complete free agency. Daniel just mentioned that now we're trending to a world where colleges have to outright pay more than the stipends that they already get. Student-athletes or the NCAA is going to cease to exist or exist in a significantly uh, minute level because these major institutions that want to you know govern themselves break away. And these are all scary realities, or these are all realities that could potentially hurt college sports. But Daniel, what's I ask you this question? Whose fault is all of this? The NCAA. They yes. have brought all of this on themselves. Inconsistency, time and time again, continues to bring them back into a courtroom where outside legislation, and this is something else that Rocky Giannola says. 
you know, we have convinced ourselves in the name of collegiate athletics to try to convince ourselves that this all makes sense up until a point that it doesn't. And then when we have to get outside arbitration, council comes in and looks at how the NCAA is governing its, its members and say, how in the world is this allowed? How in the world is it when you take the NCAA to court, if you beat them, it's oopsies, my bad. If you lose, it's we're hitting you with sanctions, we're hitting you with fines, we're removing eligibility. If you bother us and take us to court, you're going to pay the price if you lose for wasting our time. But if you get a decision against the NCAA, it's my bad, guys, for the last 25 years of tyranny. It's just a, it's it's almost a, a winless situation. It is. And you look back and at the end of the day, what is, other than distribute money, what has the NCAA done since SMU got the death penalty? What has it done? In what a has the NCAA way? done to govern? Right. Other than restrict what eighteen to twenty-two year olds are able to do with their lives. Every major change has been forced upon the NCAA. The ability to transfer has been forced upon the NCAA. NIL was forced upon the NCAA. You're absolutely right. When have they proactively done anything at all? Nothing. <laughs> and you want to talk about NIL people want to talk about the transfer portal being crazy and players being tampered with and NIL being used as inducements which the NCAA is not supposed to allow and yada 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 you know why that's happening because these things came in and the NCAA approved them begrudgingly and then refused to regulate them right you want to talk about the transfer portal is ruining college sports. NIL is ruining college sports. Those things in a vacuum are not inherently bad. They're not. Player agency is not inherently bad. The ability for an 18 to 22-year-old to capitalize on his local notoriety is not a bad thing. But when colleges are allowed to use them in concert with one another to induce players to transfer to another school... That is where you run into problems, and that is allowed to happen because the NCAA said you wanted this, you figure it out. And by the way, while all this is happening, we went through the, the cheating scandals of Kansas with a slap on the wrist, and we went through all the allegations to Michigan in college football, and, and they're, they're, they're fine. <laughs> Uh, it's incredible. It, it really is. It's incredible. We'll know more, I think, on Monday. And again, my... And, and might I point out, with the, the Michigan situation, the initial suspension for Jim Harbaugh with the recruiting yeah, violations... Yeah, don't forget that he got he got suspended twice this season. He was suspended twice. The initial one with the, the recruiting violations was originally supposed to be shorter because the NCAA wanted to cut a deal with Jim Harbaugh. Yep. We, we forget about that. Jim Harbaugh took a longer suspension because he wouldn't admit that he did anything wrong. If he admitted to the NCAA that he did something wrong and committed those recruiting violations, they were going to cut a deal with him and he was going to get a shorter suspension, by the way. Well, like I said, I would put pretty good money on them not playing this Saturday, that being Noah Farrakhan and Raekwon Battle. And we feel for the institutions that rolled the dice and tried to play their players and thought that they were going to have a safety net that woke up or were doing whatever they were doing last afternoon and found out that that may not be the case. Hopefully the decision just remains upheld. I mean, that's the best case scenario at this point. But I, mean, I, I get that as as a officer of the law, as as Judge John Preston Bailey, you are supposed to be impartial and make a decision and do your job. 
But how can you look at this ruling from the NCAA and not let that color your decision in 12 days? Well, and that's a good point as well. Let's make this the final point. Horrible PR decision from the NCAA. Awful. Because you're absolutely right. What does this do to win you some favor in the court of public opinion? Does nothing. It, it, it does everything. It's going to get you taken to court again. Absolutely, it does. So you know the, the the real winner here is the legal team representing the NCAA because um, they're going to be paid pretty handsomely over the next couple of months while this all gets litigated. Uh, a couple of Division Two football notes I wanted to get to uh, before we take our break. When we return, we're going to pick every NFL game because we've got uh, some Saturday NFL football coming this week, and that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, the new Division Two Super Region alignment for football has been revealed. Uh, we're, it's coming in 2025? Yes, it is going to begin in 2025 uh, when Conference Carolinas begin sponsorship because okay. there's going to be an addition to the conference. So that means that everything needs to be reshaped. For those of you unfamiliar, Division Two specifically for football, it's broken into four Super Regions. Uh, you remain within your super region for the most part. Obviously, in Shepard's case, they were moved this year um, all the way through your region final. And you don't, in theory, play a team from another super region until the semifinals, uh, which is when Shepard then traveled to take on um, the Colorado School of Mines in the national semifinal, just for example. Shepard is remaining in Super Region 1, but there is one small change. The Mountain East Conference, the NE10, and the PSAC all remain in Super Region 1. The GMAC has been moved to Super Region 3. And the CIAA, which has a West Virginia connection, Daniel, is being moved uh, to Super Region 1. Uh, schools like Virginia Union that Shepard has played in the past in other sports. Um, it doesn't really do much from a Shepard point of view. It's just a little bit of redistricting now that the GMAC is gone. And a CIAA conference that uh, has a little bit of notoriety is uh, going to be on the radar for Shepard coming up in 2025. That's right. The Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, the CIAA, is now part of Super Region 1. And you mentioned a little bit of a West Virginia connection. The Big Blue of Bluefield State University joining the CIAA in 2023. Uh, Bluefield State, actually a very early member of the CIAA, first joining in 1932. Uh, then they left and uh, later became a member of the West Virginia Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. It has been uh, something of a sojourn for Bluefield State over the last 10 years since the, the WVX ceased to exist. But they rejoined the CIAA this year. 13 member schools, uh, some names you might recognize. Uh, Shepherd men's basketball played Bowie State a, a couple of weeks back. Um St. Augustine's has been in the mix uh, with some teams around here. Virginia State, Virginia Union, and Winston-Salem State are all college basketball powerhouses in Division II. So it is a it is a conference that is incredibly historic. It was founded in 1912 uh, at, at the campus of, of Hampton University and is uh, really has a strong history in Division II. A lot of programs there have won national championships. Uh, the, the primary... Powers in this league generally are basketball forward schools, uh, but they're in the mix with Shepard for football now, and it should be interesting to watch uh, once we hit 2025. One more thing to talk about before the break. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, Seth Morgan had said that he was going to put his name into the transfer portal and was putting together a pretty unique offer sheet. Wondered whether or not he had the ability to come back and play for Shepard. Well, when a quarterback like Seth Morgan goes into the transfer portal, uh, I look for two things. Number one, immediate playing time at a higher level. Is that going to be on the table? And number two, proximity to their hometown. 
And Seth's gotten some unique offers over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, it started with some low-level FCS schools, and it's really grown over time. The University of New York, Hampshire, Eastern Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Tech as well, Monmouth. He got offers from UConn, Murray State. But I think the dagger happened yesterday when he picked up a pair of offers, Daniel, from Duquesne and Stony Brook. Of course, Seth Morgan uh, is from the Whippeal. He's from the city of Pittsburgh. He went to Mount Lebanon. Duquesne is right there in his backyard. If there was a team that was high-profile enough, not just in terms of playing time, but in its proximity to home, uh, for him to want to leave the Shepherd football program, I would say that Duquesne offer checks a lot of boxes. It absolutely does. And we talked about this a couple of weeks back when he put his name in the transfer portal. We said some schools to watch out for would be Duquesne and Robert Morris. And that Duquesne offer came through yesterday. Stony Brook is a little bit more of an interesting one. They were 0-10 last year and yeah. have a new head coach. Uh, and interestingly enough, their starting quarterback last year's name was Casey Case. Uh, why would you do that to your child, Justin Mr. and Mrs. Case? Case? Um, but it was uh, it's it's seeming more and more as the, lo the longer that this goes on that it's likely that Seth Morgan will not be in a Shepherd Ram uniform next year. Again, that Duquesne offer seems like the silver bullet at this point, uh, but there's there's been nothing concrete put on the table yet. So it, it is wait and see. But as we've discussed in the past, we were looking for Robert Morris and Duquesne to potentially get in the mix and be the ones that end up landing Seth Morgan. And Duquesne uh, has put that offer out there now. We've got a break to take. When we return, we'll pick every single NFL game for this upcoming weekend. Parker has sent in a version of his picks. We're going to hear those as well. We might, may, if we have time, get a special update from uh, noted sports anchor George Frick. You're not going to want to miss that. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to the final segment of the week. Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs and Daniel Woods hanging out with you. You can text us 304-263. Your mic wasn't on. You want to do it again? Whoop. Thank you. 304-263-4321. Uh, the NFL. Let's pick every single game for this upcoming NFL slate. Uh, firstly, we got to react to, um, well, what happened last night. Uh, and it wasn't much of a game of what might be the final game of the Brandon Staley era. Although, as we stand, he's still going to be patrolling um, that sideline there for the Chargers. And It'd be real funny if he kept... Like if he kept this job, wouldn't it? It would. It would. I wanted to as a Raider fan. It's two free wins every year. The Raiders had a big man pick six last night for their. Uh, in fact, they got a couple of defensive touchdowns. Last two touchdowns of the game in the Raiders' victory, sixty-three to twenty-one. It's the most points ever scored by a Raider team. Uh, let's listen to the calls on KRLV, and we'll start with the Jenkins scoop and score. Stand by. Here we go. Kick gets the snap. He's going to throw. Eyeing down the middle. Now pressure off the edge. And drilled from behind. Ball's out. Ball's Ball's out. out. Ball's Coates out. with the sack. And big man running. John Jenkins is going to score. So John Jenkins, Jingleheimer Schmidt there, finds the end zone. And then another defensive score. Now it's the backup, Brendan Hymas, who is in at center. And an interception on the first pass. Amazing. It's John Jones. Amazing. It's a pick six. Amazing. Lake and that Amazing. breaks the record. Amazing. Behind. Amazing. 
That <laughs> guy's pretty fired up. I'm going to check on him, make sure he's all right. All right, let's pick the games for this upcoming weekend. But before Daniel, we do that, I'd like to uh, like to send a shout-out to our good buddy uh, Liam Bellin in the Pittsburgh metro area, uh, <laughs> who I am taking on in our fantasy playoffs this week. Big shout-out to Liam for not starting Devontae Adams last night. Big, big, big fan of that. Uh, Texter says, was that seven amazings? I don't know. Let's hear it again. Let's count the amazings this time. <laughs> now it's the backup, Brendan Hymas, who is in at center. And an interception on the first pass. Amazing. It's John Jones. Amazing. It's a pick six. Amazing. Lake and that breaks the record. Amazing. The highest point total in Raiders franchise history is Jack Jones on an interception for a touchdown. Five. I counted five. Five amazing. So very close to the amazings over under, but uh, not the greatest broadcasting, if you will. All right, I want to save us some time to get to the legendary George Frick here in a second. So let's pick these games really quickly. Daniel, we begin on Saturday. The Vikings taking on the Bengals, both teams 7-6. and six. Cincinnati favored basically a pick em by three points at home. Uh, with that said, Jake Browning playing good football. Give me the Bengals. I will I will say the same. Uh, Minnesota in, in flux, in limbo with the whole Nick Mullins, Josh Dobbs situation. I like the Bengals. How do we feel about this Steeler team now going up against bad. Minshew Mania? We feel bad. They're 7-6. and six. The Colts are 7-6. and six. The uh, Steelers are on the road. Indianapolis favored by a point and a half. Uh, give me the Steelers in this game. Uh, winner of this game, I'll, I'll make the semi-bold prediction. Winner of this game's going to the playoffs. Loser of this game's getting knocked out of the playoffs. I say the Steelers win. I am tremendously happy that I will be on the air at Spring Mills High School while this game is going on, <laughs> and I will not have to watch it. Give me the Indianapolis Colts. All right, the Lions are 9-4. and four. They take on the 7-6 and six Broncos. Detroit at home, favored by 4.5 points. I'll tell you this. This is a Lions team that struggled over the last couple of weeks. Montgomery's starting to show some mileage. They don't use Jameer Gibbs as much as I would like. Jared Goff up to double-digit interceptions on the season. Give me the Broncos in this game. This feels like a game where something really stupid happens and the Broncos win. Again, this is just a vibes pick for me, but I also like Denver in this game. Uh, The... Sunday slate now is where we turn our attention with the five and eight Bears take on the eight and five Browns. Cleveland only favored by three points. Give me Cleveland. Give me Cleveland. I'd take him in a touchdown alternative spread. I will tell you what. I might just burst into flames if this game was Joe Flacco against Tyson Bajan. Oh, my goodness. It's not. It's Joe Flacco against Justin Fields. And for that reason, Flacco mania continues to roll through Panhandle Sports Live. Give me the Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco is not an unfair comp for Tyson Bajan. I'd say Flacco has a slightly stronger arm and Bajan's a little bit more mobile, but they're not that dissimilar. Anyways, the 6 and yeah, 7. Yeah, cuz Tyson Bajan's elite. Yeah, cuz Tyson Bajan's And so is Joe Flacco. Cuz Tyson Bajan's going to win a Super Bowl. The Bucks are 6 and 7, the Packers are 6 and 7. This game is at Lambeau Green Bay favored by three and a half points. Again, you know, the Bucks have the ability to make this a disgusting game. Mike Evans having another 1000-yard receiving season. Uh, but give me the Packers here. I think they're going to improve to 7-7 seven and, seven and still try to fight to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Packers take this one as well. It feel, is it not weird that Tampa Bay's 6-7? and seven? It is weird. That that surprises me. I don't know. Give me Green Bay. Uh, the Titans and the Texans. The Titans only favored by three points. They are favored by three points at home. They're 5-8. and eight. The Texans are 7-6. and six. I can't imagine why. Derrick Henry doesn't look to be particularly good. I know Nico Collins is banged up. I don't think yeah, he's going to play. Yeah, I was going to say, C.J. Stroud like, might be throwing the ball to Ronnie Brown this week. Yeah, so um, with that said, I'm still taking the Texans. I, I am as well. Um, I, I, I don't buy this this Titans team, and Derrick Henry's got so much mileage on those legs. It's 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 not been good for him late in the season. The Jets do still pose some defensive problems for teams. They're 5-8 and eight as they go to Hard Rock to take on the 9-4 and four Dolphins. 
Miami's favored by nine and a half points, which my quick scanning says is the second biggest line of the week. That's correct. Um, Miami's going to win this game. I think they're going to cover as well. The biggest question for me, Daniel, as you pick this game, because I think you're going to agree with me, over under 100 yards for Tyree Kill receiving. I will take the over, and I will say Miami wins this game going away. Again, I'm just watching this because of the Jets quarterback nonsense because it's probably going to be Zach Wilson. Is Trevor Simeon going to be the backup? Is Brett Rippon going to be the backup? I'm a sicko for this kind of thing, people. You know how much I love Joe Flacco. I want to watch that, but Miami's going to win big. Patriots at home against the 8-5 and five Chiefs. Kansas City favored by 8.5 points. Do the Chiefs cover in this game? I think they do. I do not think that New England provides much of a challenge here. Uh, I also said that about the Steelers last week, and then Bailey Zappi did Bailey Zappi things. Saints favored by 6 points against the Giants at home. Do the Saints cover the 6 points? I think they do. Uh, Tommy DeVito is a great story. He is not... Killed the Giants this year, but he's also not winning games like this on the road. All right, we're going to have to go one-word answer for these remaining games because I want to fit in the rest of the content we have today. 1-12 Panthers, 6-7 and seven Falcons, Atlanta favored by three. Who wins? ATL. All right, Commanders are 4-9 and nine on the road. They take on the 6-7 and seven Rams. Los Angeles favored by 6.5 points. Who you got? In the words of Randy Newman, I love L.A. Hey, the Cardinals are 3-10. and 10, The 49ers are 10-3. and three. This is the longest line of the weekend. You're picking the 49ers. Are you picking the 49ers to cover the 12 points? I think I am. Uh, San Francisco does too much defensively, has too many weapons. Big game for the 425 window on Sunday. The 7-6 and six Bills take on the 10-3 and three Cowboys. This game is at Buffalo. Buffalo favored by two points. Who are you rocking with here? I like Dallas. Uh, again, I, I have not been a Dak Prescott guy before this year, but I think the MVP conversation is real, and I think it continues to uh, this weekend. I don't even know if this is the best season in his career. I'd say it's the second, uh, but Dak Prescott's having a very good season. The Jaguars, 8-5, and five, taking on the 10-3 and three Ravens. This game is at Jacksonville. Baltimore, however, favored by 3.5 points on the road. I want the Jags in this game. What about you? The Ravens, I think, are just too much. I, I like Baltimore in this one. And then lastly, Monday Night Football, 10-3 and three Eagles, 6-7 and seven Seahawks. Philadelphia only favored by three. Who are you rocking with here? Seattle's on that backslide again. Again, I, I hate to say this because I think it means – the not the immediate end of Geno Smith in Seattle, but I think it precipitates it. This losing streak has leads me to believe they're probably going to potentially be in the market for a quarterback uh, when it comes to the draft. I think that continues with a loss this week to Philadelphia. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Parker Stone not in today, but he did send us another version of Parker's picks. He had Austin Eckler going over four receptions yesterday. Austin Eckler finished with four receptions in the game. He had Jacoby Myers over four catches, and Jacoby unfortunately only had two in a game where the Raiders scored so many points, but he did find the end zone. And then he had Aiden O'Connell for over 200 yards, and that did hit. His picks for this upcoming weekend, it's all NFL-related. He has the Bengals to beat the Vikings on Saturday. Michael Pittman Jr., an anytime touchdown scorer in that game against the Steelers. And David Montgomery, anytime touchdown scorer. Those are Parker's picks for this upcoming weekend. Once again, the Bengals to beat the Vikings. Michael Pittman and David Montgomery, uh, both two score touchdowns. Well, Daniel Woods, as we saw on Twitter today, of course, Chris Lawrence, always a great social media following, not just for the Outdoors Today content, uh, and not just, of course, for the great news work that he does for Metro News, but is also a nostalgia machine. Oh, One yes. of the great sportscasters in the history of West Virginia radio went by the name of George Frick, 
And uh, Daniel, this is a, a special anniversary of a story that rocked West Virginia to its core. That is right. 13 years ago, in it was brought to our attention that <laughs> a couple of criminal masterminds Indeed. went into the town of Glenville and they walked out as legends. And, so, and George Frick brought us that breaking news on the Metro News Radio Network. So specifically the Eric McGuire Radio Network. The Eric McGuire Radio, Radio, Network. So Radio Network, to be the, specific. Uh, the Eric and Kevin show at the time and this crack reporting uh, by George Frick. And this was uh, tweeted out earlier today by Metro News' Chris Lawrence. Let's listen back to this historic story. George Frick out of sports. George. Talk to me. I want to know. How much, George? How you doing, man? I haven't talked to you in a little while. Uh, can of Paco. I'm not in a very good mood. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Just uh, let me do my little thing and move on. Okay. okay. Fine. 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 Yeah. Big news, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Rocking the sports world. Mm-hmm. In the news, two former Mountaineer football players are in jail this morning after their brilliant scheme to rob a Glenville food land went awry <laughs> when they wrecked their vehicle in Gilmer County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Police say the two men, Albert Einstein and Stephen B. Hawking, <laughs> crashed their car during a high-speed chase and fled into the woods. One of the men was later caught by a state police crime scene investigation unit when he flagged them down for help, wearing only a pair of pants. And one shoe. (laughs) Three hours later, the other man was nabbed when he flagged down the same vehicle as it was heading back to base. A police spokesman say they have never dealt with men of this kind of keen mental caliber, and they were worried at first that the crime may never be solved. (laughs) Police agencies throughout the U.S. have been calling the West Virginia State Police to find out how their new crime scene investigation unit seemed to lure the two out of the woods directly to the unit Mm -hmm. for apprehension, thinking that some kind of new secret mental telepathy device must be on board Mm -hmm. to somehow call the two criminals out of the woods silently. But a state police spokesperson said, no, fortunately with these two, all we had to do was put a magnetic sign on the vehicle that said, Getaway car. <laughs> <laughs> Police had issued an all-points bulletin for the two, described as two males, both wearing T-shirts that had on the front written slogans, I'm with stupid. <laughs> Apparently, the first man, who was caught wearing only a pair of pants and one shoe, told authorities that he got rid of his T-shirt after one of his victims in Foodland told him what it said. <laughs> He also told police he would have never gotten caught had he not lost his shoe, stating, You would have never got me. Have you ever tried to run a 4-3 with one shoe? (laughs) Police speculate the two had been working on the incredibly detailed plan for months and Mm, figure there are other accomplices involved given the amount of money that was stolen, which some estimate may be as much as two or three (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars. You don't come up with this kind of thing overnight, policeman stated. This kind of thing is something so involved it's just like that movie Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah. A Hollywood production company has heard of the story and has already contacted the two men's attorneys to sign a deal for their story. Really? Which he said would be the basis for the next sequel of Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. So there you go. George Frick on sports and uh, an historic day uh, and a story that's... An unrecognized legend in this business, first of all. Thank you. Hopefully soon to be West Virginia Broadcasters Association Hall of Famer there. And, of course, that uh, 
That's from the Eric McGuire and uh, Eric and Kevin show, uh, which you could have heard back in the day on WVAQ oh, or on the man. Eric McGuire Radio Network. Great times. Great times to be had all around. Well, just a couple of moments left in the show. Daniel, before um, we're a couple hours away from you, jumping back over to Deep Creek. And again, you can find those games on League Ready TV on YouTube. High school basketball tonight here as we've got Musselman taking on Parkersburg South beginning at 730. I'll have the call of that one. Any closing thoughts, some words of wisdom, some pearls of wisdom, if you will, uh, for our listeners before we have to clear the air? Uh, when it comes to this weekend, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> keep your stick on the ice, folks. There you go. There you go. Uh, and again, stay tuned. We've got the award-winning Panhandle Live coming up in just a couple of moments. Marsha Kavalik will be in studio. Got a really interesting assortment of guests today per usual. And uh, the final edition of the week of Metro News Big Chair with Dave Wilson, which is coming up uh, at uh, 10.06. And we've got uh, the statewide sports line as well. We're going to continue to dive into the Raekwon battle situation and uh, the Noah Farrakhan situation as well, in fairness to him, as we start to put the pieces together of that story as well. And as always, uh, we appreciate you giving us the time. We wish Parker Stone a speedy recovery. If you missed any or part of today's show, we're going to post it on our Panhandle News Network uh, Spotify page coming up here in just a couple of moments. For Daniel Woods, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you on Monday. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life. That's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks. Stopping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down Cause this fine old world It keeps spinning around WEPM Martinsburg and WCST